After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And Howard Beck is with us, and now it's time to gush all over <laughs> Howard Beck. Oh, we Wait, lost your mic. Time oh, out. We lost your mic. It just cut out just now. Uh, so we're gonna pretend like none of this even happened yeah are you gonna yeah. start it again yeah <laughs> hey everybody it's howard beck deuce and mo deuce and mo deuce and mo they tell you what they know deuce and mo deuce and mo deuce and mo the podcast that you know okay it's right. as if I haven't seen you in months. I mean, man, we have not caught up at all. Um, not even a little bit. No, no, it has not been 15 minutes of audio issues. Um, so we have Howard right. back here. And I was telling Deuce that the last part of Summer League this last summer, I ran into Howard in on the concourse and everything. And, of course, he was uh, – helping the next generation of journalists, just doing good for the writing world. And you had some freelance gigs going on here and there, and now you've landed with The Ringer. We're just so happy that you are back in this writing world full-time and everything. And so how's everything going there? Uh, great to see you guys. Thank you. And yes, I'm very, very, very happy uh, to have landed at the ringer. Um, one of the uh, this is one of the handful of places so far that or, or your show to be able to introduce me as Howard Beck of the ringer and which is just a really cool thing for me. I'm, I'm very happy to be introduced that way. Um, yeah, and a, a quick plug for the sports business classroom, which uh, more than just journalists, it was 125 students of with media aspirations, sports media, uh, people who wanted to work in front offices, scouting, um, salary cap, every aspect of the league that you could imagine, the sports business classroom, which is affiliated with Summer League, does this wonderful immersive program in Vegas during Summer League. And I had the pleasure of being an instructor this year um, while I was between gigs, although I'm uh, very much hoping to continue doing that uh, as well because uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, um, it's really but, important yeah, too. Uh, yeah, uh, the Ringer 
it's been a few weeks so far. Um, just getting uh, getting acclimated. Um, got some fun stuff coming. Uh, and uh, on the podcast front, there will actually be some some news of sorts soon. Okay. Within the next, I don't know, whenever this publishes. So pro- probably within the next, let's say it's a week. Uh, awesome. A week at most. Yeah. And there will be some pod news. I so. love hearing that. And, I, you know, you, you're one of the best. I, I, I've, you know, watched and, and read your work for years and years. And this industry has shifted so much. And you've seen it, right? I mean, you were in the thick of it in newspapers. And now this online digital age. And being in between gigs like that, I can imagine, is beyond stressful. Was there a point that you thought, "Mm, I had a good run, maybe I could just kind of transition to something else? Did you ever reach that point, or were you like, no, I'm good enough, I'm going to keep going, it's going to work out? Wow, it's a great question. Um, I don't want to go too deep on it, um, but yes, Okay. Yes, I seriously consider it's a, it's a it's a it's the right question. It's the right question for any of us who have been in this business for any length of time, whether it's been five minutes, five years, or in my case, um, a lot more than five. <laughs> um, <laughs> when uh, when you get laid off, and I, you know, I was laid off by Sports Illustrated in, in February as part of a, a a bigger group of people that were laid off, um, and second time in three years. Uh, you mm. know, I was a Bleacher Report at uh, what we called BR Magazine, BR Mag, when they folded BR Mag and was laid off then. And so when this happens to you a couple of times in a three-year span, through no fault of your own, right? Like there was nothing I could have done yeah. differently. Um, wasn't about me. Um, and yet you cannot help but feel a, a certain way. It, it's, a, it's a blow. It's, uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough to take. And, you know, you know, our, our, our resiliency, everybody's got their own individual level of that, of confidence that, you know what, all right, got knocked down. I'm going to stand back up and do that. Okay. Sure. That that's my general attitude. And I've, I've been doing this a long time. I, I think I've done this at a, at a, a, a decent level. I've been at, at a lot of uh, pretty great places. I know what my abilities are. My reputation is everything else. I would like to, in my best moments, and and this was the case earlier this year, I would, I would kind of have this, uh, you know, emotional roller coaster. in my yeah. best moments. It was, you know, screw all this. I know what I'm capable of. Um, I've got a great reputation. My body of work speaks for itself. Um, You know, these are the moments where I let my ego kind of do the talking for a little bit for me. And I think it's going to, it's going to be fine. I'm going to be, I'm going to be fine. I just need to give it a little bit of time, but yeah, I had moments of, of equal um, the, the other end of the spectrum where it was just these low moments of the business has changed a lot uh, in many, many ways for the worse. There just aren't that many places. Um, there are a lot of places that cover sports, and a lot of places that cover the NBA. There are not a lot of places that necessarily are doing or valuing the kind of work that I do now, right? If I want to go back to being a beat writer, you know, seven years on the Lakers, nine years on the Knicks, if I want to just go back to doing that, I cover the Nets or the Knicks, whatever, in my backyard, um, those, those, were, those jobs were open. I'm not saying they would have hired me. I'm not making any assumptions. But the Knicks and Nets, uh, local newspapers, uh, here in New York, we're, we're hiring for both of those recently. I, I don't think I can go back to being a daily beat writer covering all 82 home and road, all that, that other stuff. I did that for 16 years. So it's the position that I'm in now, the kind of work that I do, the kinds of, of work that I enjoy doing, that it's just become harder to find the right fit. Um, and there aren't as many places, I think, uh, that makes sense. So, yeah, there were moments yeah there, yeah, there were moments. No, and, um, I can imagine. I, I don't know what the next thing would have been, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I did, it's I did a, consider that there was maybe something else. 
Wow. So, and obviously we're going to get to basketball and stuff, but I am just so interested in, you know, people's journey because you're very successful. You've done this for a long time. Can you like take us to that moment when you found out like, oh my God, this, this ringer thing is going to happen and I'm back in it right now. I'm back in the thick of things. Like what was that moment like for you? Um, you know, it was a process. It was a conversation sure. that, that lasted, um, for, you know, a portion of the summer, uh, so without getting into into all those details, um, you know, I, I, I've known Bill Simmons from a distance uh, for a while. We have a lot of friends in common. Um, we've we've you know been in contact over the years off and on. And um, so we had a conversation at one point during the summer where I realized this is this is very much a possibility. And and then and the timing um, on their end uh, and mine, it, it felt like this was, this was right. Like I, Bill has always been really kind and, and, uh, complimentary of my work, um, going all the way back to when I was at the New York times, I still remember Bill shouting out something I had written or mentioning for me in some way in, in his page two column on ESPN.com. If you guys remember, <laughs> yes. it's just going way back. Yeah. Um, and so, um, and I've always been a huge admirer of, of his work, both with Grantland and The Ringer, obviously stuff before that too. But like, I love what those sites were about, and I, you know, uh, I've always felt like that would be a phenomenal fit for me. And there's just so much, so many great people there, so much great talent there, and people that I really would, I, I knew I would love to work with if that opportunity arose. And so I was very excited when we had the conversation um, over the summer, first with Bill, and then with you know a, a couple other key people there. Um, Took a while to come together, but I, I, at the moment that we finally said, okay, you know, we're, we're, we're doing this, this thing is happening. Um, it's, it's, you know, yeah, when, uh, we always have these, these questions, which is fun to ask like coaches and players when they win a championship, you know, is it joy or relief? Yeah. And, um, it's, it's kind of that thing, right? There's, there's joy and there's relief. Um, I, I, you know, this is the longest period of my adult life since graduating UC Davis in 1991. Um, had to, had to get my quick. Yeah, of yeah. course. I was uh, waiting for it. Lo yeah. Longest period of my adult life that I have not been full time. Man. So that was, that was jarring. Um, and I have a daughter who's going to college in a year. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that makes things a little bit more stressful too. Um, I mean, look, that's, I'm, I'm being real, right? Like, you know, this is what uh, we love. You, yeah. We've all talked many, many times over the years. I like you guys. Um, and I love the fact that, 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 uh, you know, well, you'll take me down this path a little bit. I, I have not talked about most of this stuff, but um, yeah, look, it, it's that all of that is incredibly stressful, especially, you know, uh, given where I am at my stage of my, my life, my career. Uh, and again, a daughter going to college in a year, like this was a incredibly challenging year to say the least. A lot of people have it much worse. And so I, 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 I'm grateful for what sure. uh, I've been able to do and grateful to land where I did. But um, yeah, it was joy and relief with, with, uh, landing at, at the ringer and, um, couldn't be happier to be there. Um, it's, like I said, only been a few weeks, but I, I love the people I'm working with so much great talent, really thoughtful people. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the work I'm going to be doing. Yeah. And I mean, we're excited about the work you're going to be doing. And I mean, not only do we feel like you are such a good person, you are so great at what you do. And it was like, I, I remember coming back from Vegas and just being like, dude, like, the NBA world needs Howard back. Yeah, like yeah. what, what are we doing here? And yeah. so it is so great that you are going to be in this mix with everything now with the ringer. But I have to imagine too, like in those moments too, cause like do said, we'll get to basketball in a second, but in those moments, like if you weren't going to be 
talking, writing about basketball anymore. It's like, what was going through your mind? Because I know for me, I like basketball is in my blood. Like, I don't, I think there's, there's something about this culture, this, this NBA culture. And once you're in it, it's like, it's, it becomes part of your identity in a good way. If you want it to be, if that's the grind that you want to be on. And I feel like for you, that was a big part of your identity. Just to be clear, you're also kind of crazy. All right. We, we watch NBA preseason games nonstop. Like Howard has like a family What's that? Yeah, like, no, like, like, he, he, believe it or not, he has other interests outside of basketball. We're, we're sick. We're I not, know. We're not normal, Morgan. Yeah, but I mean, how Howard's how like kind of on the edge too. No. <laughs> yeah, very much at times. Um, I mean, look, I, I've done this for 26 years, so I'm now starting my 27th season. And for sure, there were moments where I thought, you know what? 26 years is a pretty damn good run. And better people than me have have lost their foothold in this business and had to move on and do something else. And, you know, everyone's time comes at some point. And I thought, you know, maybe this is it. And on some level, I would have been okay with it if I found a really gratifying next thing to do, whether that was possibly teaching, whether it was some combination of teaching and maybe writing books or, um, you know, I considered, you know, you know, not quite corporate communications, but I, you know, I always thought like, is there some kind of nonprofit uh, angle to this where I can yeah. use my my writing communication skills to channel that into something else, uh, a cause I believe in or some sort of community work. It's also just really, frankly, hard to make a living doing a lot of that stuff. I live in Brooklyn. Um, it's kind of expensive here. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you, you go through all those things in your head. You think about everything. You think about everything. And because I was... I decided it was time to think about everything, put everything on the table and put feelers out in various directions to people, even around the league, trying to just see if the network, you know, I was just trying to put it out there and, sure. and maybe uh, by putting it out in the universe, something was going to come back to me. Like somebody says, you know what? I, there's this great role for you that a friend of a friend runs this business or runs this, this nonprofit. I don't know. I, I thought maybe something would just kind of surface uh, kind of magical thinking on my part. Um, None of that ever quite came to uh, fruition. So, so here I am, still uh, covering the NBA. You're 27, um, but again, like I, absolutely where I want to do it. And as much as I had to m mentally prepare myself for the possibility that this run was over, I didn't want it to be over. Right? right. So, to Morgan's point about just the you know almost the the addiction we all have to <laughs> the sport to the league, uh, but also like it's you know. This is a warped thing to say, but it's it's also it's it's like it's my social life, right? I yeah. I, I go to NBA games or All Star Weekend or the finals or Vegas uh, Summer League wherever. These are all my friends too, and I don't mean necessarily people in the league, although there's you know plenty of people within the league that I'm I'm friendly with that I enjoy being around. But you know, re reporters, podcasters, radio folks, TV, like everybody, like this is you know this is our community on some level, and it's very comfortable being in an NBA arena. And seeing all these familiar faces uh, year in and year out, and to walk away from that, yeah, would have would have been uh, would have been a little sad. But um, as I say, I, I was I was mentally preparing myself for that possibility. Well, we want to appreciate the fact that you'd be open about this whole process too, because like we always talk about humanizing athletes, which is so important. But like, let's, let's humanize some journalists too, right. covering the league. <laughs> let's they go through stuff too. So uh, thank you for. Uh, Kind of sharing your story a little bit there. Um, let's talk some hoops. There's some All excitement right. um, in Sacramento right now after what happened last year. I think 
it caught a lot of people by surprise. The fact that the Kings won 48 games, number three seed. And then, you know, I think there's there's a tremendous amount of excitement, but expectation now in Sacramento for this team to get better and, and try to go further in the playoffs. I'm curious what your expectations are for this Kings team headed into the season. So as we're recording this, like within the last couple hours before we got on, um, the GM survey came out. Uh, yeah. My buddy John Schumann for uh, NBA.com uh, published the annual GM survey. So this is the all 30 teams, their general managers or the designee of the general manager, whoever might fill out uh, the survey, answers all these questions. I like guess like 50 questions. Um, the good news, the Kings were uh, third in most fun to watch after the Nuggets and Warriors. Very heavy on the Western Conference, by the way. Most fun team to watch went Nuggets, Warriors, Kings, Suns. Wow. Um, best home court advantage, Kings were third there behind the Nuggets and Warriors. Um, who will have the most efficient offense? Kings uh, finished second behind the Nuggets in the GM survey. Um, and player fastest with the ball, De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. Uh, number one over John Morant. So a lot of fun um, results there for the Kings and their fans. However, um, in the GMs being asked to predict the finish in the Western Conference, the Kings finished tied for seventh with New Orleans. Uh, it went Denver, Phoenix, Lakers, Warriors, Clippers, Grizzlies, and then Pelicans and Kings uh, tied for seventh. Man. Um and I can't, the honest truth is I can't really disagree with the GMs on this. Um, and I'm just not to say that I, I'm absolutely sure that the Kings are going to be finishing in that six, seven range. It's more that the West has gotten really tough again. <sighs> and it's not the old days of like stacked with super teams at the top, right? It's not that kind of Western conference, but there's a bunch of different factors here. So let me just quickly go, go through my mental yeah. process here. Cause I jotted down a bunch of notes. So one, there are 11 legitimate teams for the eight playoff spots, like 11 legit teams. I think the only four that I'm not counting as in play are the jazz. Sorry, Utah uh, blazers, Rockets, spurs. And those teams are all improved too, by the way, right? Yeah. Those are not your average 12th through 15th. Um, some other teams that are like around the fringes, you know, like, you know, Dallas should not have missed last year and they're getting a full year with Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic and they've, they've made some other reinforcements like they'll be in the mix. The Thunder are everybody's favorite, you know, darling of, of, of the preseason right now. And, and we just saw Chet Holmgren make his debut and look great. Look at awesome. Um, the Pelicans, it's, you know, the whole big massive asterisk of, you know, will they stay healthy? Will Zion stay healthy in particular? Uh, there's just a lot of really solid to good to great teams in the West right now. And my gut is that the Kings in a vacuum will be as good or better than they were last season. A lot of a lot of young talent that should only improve. Right. They should just get better. And they've got great continuity. Right. No major changes in the offseason. They should only get better, but they could get better and still slip in the standings. I think because, that's a great point. Yeah. Like the one. First of all, I think you guys have probably heard this refrain a few times. They were one of the healthiest teams in the NBA last season. And, and by virtue of that and the health, you know, you could there's some stuff you do for that. But every team's trying to keep their guys healthy. That's why we have load management. There's a little bit of luck involved in not having any of your core guys miss significant time. So law of averages, regression to mean, whatever other teams being healthier this year, maybe. 
Kings maybe not being as fortunate. Who knows? So, uh, but that, that's not something you can predict. Um, go ahead, Morgan. I, no, no, no. I, it's, it's always interesting to me when we do talk about the Western Conference because I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I always, I'm always interested whenever we talk about Dallas, even with a full year with Kyrie and Luca. And by the way, a full year with Kyrie what the hell does that even mean, right? <laughs> you know, like, who, when was the last time that really happened? But even yeah. with Luca, and you look at the rest of the roster and what him and Grant Williams are going to take them, you know, it, to, like further than where they were going last year. I don't know. I just sometimes yeah. feel, and that could be, I don't know what it is. When it, come to Luka, when it comes to Luka Doncic, I think he is just like one of the most incredible individuals um, that we have ever seen come through the NBA. But sometimes I think we put too much on it when it comes to like even him as a team player making the right plays. Yeah. Yes, sure, the defense uh, has to pay so much attention to him and collapse on him, but it doesn't mean all the pe like the roster construction there with Dallas, like to me, just does not feel like they're going to be one of those teams that creeps in there. Now, the other teams, though, I understand. Yeah. No, no. Uh, and to be honest, I'm with you. Um, I, I don't I don't believe in, in the Kyrie Luca uh, pairing. Um, I'm not sure that a full season is actually going to make a difference or that having Kyrie in training camp and starting, you know, going from the beginning. I like the Grant Williams pickup. I like some of the other moves they made. But no, I'm not sold Like you need a one two punch in this league. I'm not sold on the, the two and their one two punch. Um so there's that part of it. But this is benefit of the doubt time. It's okay. October. Yeah. This is when we're like, uh, you know what? On paper, you know, Kyrie's incredibly talented for all of his other issues. Kyrie's very talented. Luca is a perennial MVP candidate. Grant Williams was a good pickup. So, the, you know, in the abstract, you're like, well, you know what? They should be better. They should be in the mix. And I, I think they will be in the mix. But no, I'm not buying them as a top six team in the West. Um, I, I would think of them more in play in range at this stage, but as we'll get into, there's also a lot of potential volatility. The other thing that's happening here that I think is really important when I, uh, think about the West and where the, where the Kings fit into it last season was again, that was my 26th season. And I've never seen anything like this really freaking weird. When you think about like the Lakers finished the year as a much different team than when they started and, and better by far. And they've made more improvements over the summer. The Warriors finished the season a better team than where they started. The Suns finished the, t the season better than where they So n they weren't even the same teams at the end. So, And they all made improvements over the summer, too. So you take the Lakers, Suns, and, and uh, Warriors. Clippers now have Russ from the beginning. Again, Westbrook went there late in the season. They may yet add James Harden again to the, to your Kyrie point, Morgan. We could I should say I'm not sure which direction that actually pushes them, but okay. And I know we laugh about the Clippers and their health, but all right, there's always the possibility of a full season of health from Kawhi Leonard to Paul George. All of these teams should be way better than they were last season. And if that happens, and if the, the Kings are not quite as fortunate on the health front, there's a bunch of teams that – no knock on the Kings doesn't require us to have any uh, doubts about them at all. Just by virtue of a few little uh, variables changing, those teams could, could leapfrog them. And then you've got Minnesota should be better than they were. I mentioned the Thunder and Mavericks and Pelicans, the Grizzlies, even with uh, John Moran having to serve that 25 game suspension, they brought in Marcus smart. I think he was an upgrade over, over Dylan Brooks. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, they, they brought a Derrick Rose to kind of hold it down a little bit uh, with Marcus Smart until until uh, John Morant gets back. 
Um, it's just like a lot of really, really good teams. And yeah. so I, I, I think, you know, I never tell fans what they should think or feel, but like be excited about your team and how, what a, what a wonderful breakthrough season you just had. But I would, I, I would, I would caution against getting hopes up too far that that means, Oh, well then the next step is boom, we're making a, a run to the finals because it was a unique season and the West is uniquely competitive right now and incredibly, incredibly deep. And so again, the Kings could be just as good or even better than they were in a vacuum and still possibly slip in the standings. That's yeah. that's the fear I would have. I um I agree with that because I just don't think that like I, I still view Denver as the best team right now. Yeah. And I don't know, I know they lost Bruce Brown, but I, I just think they've been together, they're coming off a championship. I'll give them the front runner status. But I think I don't think there's a huge difference this season when we look at the end of the season between like two and seven. You know, I I, I just yeah. think it's going to be that close. How many 51 teams will we even see next year? You know, I, I, in the Western Conference, I, I just don't remember the West ever looking this good. I think Houston's going to be tough. Like they, they may not make it in uh, to the plane or anything like that, but I don't think there's gimmies in the NBA this year. I think the talent level is just absurd i mean watching okc's preseason game against the spurs last night without it, sga without sga yeah. but mostly so when i say watching okc yeah. i was watching chet you know i was like watching him um yeah. we saw him in summer league but then actually getting to see him like on the nba floor with other nba guys out there whatever it was yeah i, I felt that same way like the talent uh especially like all around the league but for some reason especially in the west is what i think is is a scary thing for a team if you're like rooting for a team like Sacramento Kings, but it's a great thing for the NBA. Oh yeah. And that's the fun thing here too, right? Like, so first of all, just watching Wembenyama versus Chet Holmgren for the first time. I mean, it's just, it's, this is like science fiction. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you think what we were watching in like, I don't know, 20 years ago, um, when I'm covering the tail end of, of that Lakers dynasty with Shaq and Kobe and, and a guy like Shaq was still like, you know, the ideal of what you wanted in a center. If you had said, hey, 20 years from now, there's going to be two guys. They're both going to be seven two, seven three, with guard skills who are all over the court, uh, you, know, co you know, covering every inch of it, uh, blocking shots, shooting threes off the dribble. Um, you've, you'd be like, uh, hold on. You mean like Dirk? No, 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 no. not like Dirk. Think of Dirk, but think... <laughs> Like Dirk, but with guard skills, like with like ball handling and everything. Like, no, nah, no, nah, that can't be. Wait, and there's multiple of these guys. What are you? What are you telling me? Like, what? What universe, Mister Future Man, are you coming to me from? Um, so, the Thunder with having you know, if like, all right, it was one game. It was preseason. We should all take sure. a deep breath. But if Chet Holmgren, who was of course the number two overall pick, you know, a year ago for a reason. If he really is as good as as they, of course, hoped and as he looked in our brief glimpse of him and you throw in SGA, who's now, you know, going to be perennial all NBA and, and MVP candidate range um, and a lot of other fun, interesting pieces in between. Like that is the making of it, what would be in a normal year. Oh, that's the team we're all picking to break through and make the playoffs as a seven or eight seed. And instead we're going, can they break through? that log jam of teams that I was just mentioning, right? Because Minnesota has the talent to be a, a, a mid tier to lower tier playoff team. 
I'm not sure they will. I have my doubts about just their their overall chemistry and and uh, and fit. The Pelicans, they've got the talent. Hell, the Pelicans were first or second place for most of December until Zion went down last season. Um, so we're this is really going to be a year where it's it's going to be some combination of luck and health and and little little chemistry type things that may decide it because talent wise. Like it, like the Kings and Grizzlies were, were uh, it was, was, was it was Grizzlies Kings right two or three right Grizzlies and Kings second and third best teams by record in the Western Conference take their two best players because we usually rank teams in the NBA by I'll put my best two up against your best two right do you, do you first of all do you have two all NBA or all star caliber players and then you take those two and you start comparing them to the other the other duos right yeah you can go down the West and like everybody's got like a really nice you know, like, like uh one, two punch. Yes. Right? The Suns have three guys, of course, but like, you know, LeBron is still playing at an incredibly high level. So LeBron and AD is, is still great. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard <clears throat> went healthy. Yeah. Still great. Um, And you can go on down, you know, Zion and Ingram, uh, you know, uh, Anthony Edwards and Gobert and, or uh, Carl Anthony Towns. Like there's a, there's just a lot of depth. Um, and so it's going to be little things, I think, that separate these teams. And yeah, we may get a year where no one wins 50 games or maybe the Nuggets win exactly 50 and everybody else is like somewhere between, you know, uh, 44 and 48. And uh, the 11th place team misses the playoffs by, you know, a game That's or crazy. misses the play in by a game. You know? After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So what would be your biggest question then about the Kings and like, I, I know we, we touched on health for a second. Cause it's like, Oh, can they stay healthy? And I, and I think last year too, they had a lot of banged up guys that were playing through a lot of shit, but like also like, what would be your biggest questions for the Kings uh, in this Western conference? It's it's, I think it's the obvious one. Like, um, can they defend at a top 10 to top 15 level Yeah, and, and not lose anything on offense in the process. Right. Um, they're such a great offensive team that I don't think they would, that they would lose much anyway. And I don't think it's a real fear, but 
Uh, sometimes it's funny. Defense is a really funny thing in this league in general uh, because, oh, defense is just effort. No, it's not really just effort. Oh, defense is coaching. Eh, it's not really just coaching. It's not like you have defensive-minded coaches that will have bad defensive teams or years with where their team is not great. It's like, well, I thought that was a guy, a guy was a great defensive coach. Defense is so much about personnel. And sometimes it's just about the arrangement of your personnel, right? Like the Denver Nuggets just won the championship with a, a, a team that generally speaking was considered average to below average on defense. Yeah. But they, they were able to get stops when it mattered clearly. And also for whatever uh, deficiencies we think Jokic has as not just as uh, okay, he's the guy that they wrote that they revolve around, but he's not. But he, you know, he's, he's he's not great on defense. But also, oh, he's a center, and in today's NBA, most eras of the NBA, you want a, a rim protector at that spot, and he's not a rim protector. But when you added an Aaron Gordon and a Contavious Caldwell Pope, when you when you get great perimeter D, when you when you if, if the other pieces start to lessen the burden to where the rim protection isn't as important, then you can find a way through, right? And so it's funny because I've looked at Sabonis. I'm not the first person to say this, but and I, I hate like the, you know, the, the, the whole poor man's phrase, whatever, but people yeah. have looked at, at Sabonis as kind of a, like a, a second tier version of, of Jokic. Um, he's a scorer. He's a playmaker. He could do a lot with the ball in his hands and he's now a full-time center, right? He was, you know, kind of hybrid power forward center in Indiana, full-time center. If your full-time center is an offensive dynamo, who your your whole team revolves around in a lot of ways. Obviously, with the Kings, it's it's him and Fox together. But but he's not a rim protector. All right. Well, is there another way to to do it? Well, the Nuggets just showed us. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. Now yeah. again, Sabonis is not Jokic. The Kings are not the Nuggets. But if the question was, can the Nuggets ever do this without having a top ten defense the way that most champions have? And if they're and if they're superstar, the guy who's most important to them is actually playing the position that's usually tasked with guarding the rim. And he doesn't really do that at an elite level. All right. Well, they just showed us there is a formula. Can the Kings emulate that? Yeah. Can you get enough perimeter defense out of, you know, Keegan Murray and Harrison Barnes and, and everyone else to, to, to negate or, or make irrelevant the fact or make less relevant, at least the fact that Sabonis is not your prototypical rim protecting big man um that's the challenge for mike brown and his staff right and so that'll be interesting um you know the, the simple I, I guess the the uh the the, the real cheat uh way of, of of addressing this rhetorically would be go find yourself an aaron gordon and a contavious caldwell pope and maybe you you'll that'll get you part of the way there but yeah it's never as easy as that I, i'm with you like that's the one area we're looking at this team i think the kings you know monty mcnair would have loved to get get that guy that could play that four spot that could be like maybe a jeremy grant someone who could who's long athletic could play you know be versatile enough to defend a couple of positions they didn't end up getting it, and they kind of lean more in the offense, adding Sasha Vizenkov yeah. to the fold, too. You know, they pick up JaVale McGee late as, like, a backup five option, which I thought was a, a nice pickup. You know, it, that's not going to solve all your rim protection issues because Sabonis is playing the majority of the time. But, yeah, I think that's long-term as McNair tries to build this out. That's an area that the, if they're going to take that step to be like, hey, they could be a championship contender or, or a Western Conference contender, it's getting that player to go next to Sabonis. And I think Sabonis, it's not like a lack of effort with him ever. Um, he's just not as long as other guys. You know, his, he's not 
you looked at the matchup with Looney last year. Looney's got a 7'4 mm. wingspan. He is long. Sabonis is like 6'11. You know? Yeah. It, that's yeah. It's not Jokic exactly is, long think, for his size. And Jokic is like 7'3 with his wingspan. So even though Jokic is, again, not considered a rim protector himself, his length, and also he's just, he's like 40 pounds <laughs> thicker than yes. Sabonis, too. There's a more of him to get around. So it, it gives him other advantages. Um, yeah, it's it's like that's the fun of of the NBA, right? There's no one prototype where you just, oh plug in this kind of player at this position and you're good to go. It's there's so many variables. Like even you know like Sabonis and Jokic, I think are about the same height, but the wingspan is dramatically different, and that that has an impact. I think the other thing Sacramento's banking on this year is that Keegan Murray could take a step, and there's been glimpses of yeah. it. We saw it in the you know two games in the summer league in Sacramento, summer league, sure, but he was doing things he had not done before. In the Kings' first preseason game, it was apparent they were trying to get him going early, and he did a lot more with the ball, which was I think very encouraging for them, especially finishing at the rim. What could a jump from Keegan Murray do to elevate this team? You think in the West? It depends on where the leap comes i think um like a, a young player like him going into his second season as you guys noted doing some different things in summer league and, and early in the preseason aggressive with the ball in his hands maybe having more responsibility with the ball in his hands if you think about what keegan murray could evolve into because big wings in this in this league who can do a lot with the ball in their hands again we were talking about Kawhi leonard and paul george and that kind of that kind of prototype like that's if you could go down that kind of path um, or evolve that way, it, it, incredible um, benefit to your team, right? And yet, as we were just talking about, like it's not offense that the Kings need. Now, I, I think any any other gear their offense can go to or diversify itself helps, of course. Um, and if and if Keegan Murray can do more with the ball in his hands, and there will be times in a game where maybe Fox is on the bench and you run the offense through Keegan Murray. And he, he shows the ability to not just score, but make plays yes. and keep the offense humming. Yeah, there's like there's really tantalizing possibilities there. And I, and I think all that's on the table. And I still don't know that that's going to, to get them where they need to go or, or get them to that uh, postseason breakthrough unless the defense comes around. Right. So, like, it'll be fun to watch Keegan Murray evolve offensively. But and I'm sure Mike Brown, I, I don't want to. I put words in Mike Brown's mouth. I would, I would think Mike Brown would also say too that yeah, but we'd really love to see him become like that lockdown defender. Yes. Like again, I invoked Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Those guys are two way players. If you could defend it at, at, on the wing at that level, um, because like think of who you got to go up against in this conference. When we talked about Luca and there's you know Steph, obviously you know you, if you can chase some smaller guards around too, and Ja, Jamal Murray, um, the other big wings, you know LeBron, Durant. Uh, Kawhi you know, or Devin Booker like you need like who's you, you would ideally like to have if you are considering yourself a contender what you'd like to have one guy at least who you think all right every night when we line up against one of those stars that I just mentioned we know who we're throwing at him we know we know who you know is going to take on that challenge and you know, like none of those guys could be stopped but you gotta you gotta at least check them you gotta at least make yeah. them work and who do, do you have somebody who you can put that responsibility to you mentioned Steph and I want to talk a little bit about the Warriors how do you view them now that they have added CP3 and hey we know their starting lineup too since Draymond had the uh, ankle injury and everything man the Warriors are fascinating um so I'll say this I I absolutely believe in, in the the thought process of the trade I would rather have short term 
uh, Chris Paul, even at this age, um, with his passing, his shooting, his playmaking, his leadership, his everything, I'll take him over over this version of, of Jordan Poole. Obviously, Jordan Poole in a couple of years may be fantastic, but for what the Warriors are right now and the window that they have, I think this was the right trade-off. I think it was the right move. And I thought it was really interesting. I watched some of their um, first preseason game, and initially my thought was, all right, now Draymond's hurt, so so that solved the problem in the in the near term. Okay, plug in Chris Paul. When Draymond's healthy, I think it's Chris Paul off the bench. I think okay. that's the more logical alignment. However, in watching them start the game that way, I was going, oh, my God. Chris Paul's got the ball in his hands and Steph doesn't. <laughs> Steph is just running around doing what Steph does. He's a pain in the ass off the ball. He drives teams. He drives defenses crazy. Like in a normal set, when it's Steph as the primary point guard, he gives up the ball and then gets it back, right? And in the meantime, their whole defense is going, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Steph could just do that. <laughs> and, yeah. and like He doesn't even have to handle the ball. I think in some ways it's even more nightmarish for defenses, but obviously they can toggle between those two things. Um, I still think once they're fully healthy, when Draymond is healthy, Chris Paul off the bench, because you're going to you're gonna probably finish games with him in, in the lineup anyway. Um, but it's a difficult thing, right? Are you sitting Kevon Looney? Um, are you sitting right. Andrew Wiggins? You're not You're not sitting Steph, and you're not sitting – I don't think you're sitting Clay, and you're not sitting Draymond. So um, a good problem to have for Steve Kerr. But um, – and, and look, a lot of age on this team – so to the extent that having Chris Paul available means, you know, you don't have to put too much on Chris Paul, but you also don't have to put too much on Steph Curry during the season. Um, I worry about their depth a little bit. It's another issue entirely, but I, I think the Warriors are in as good a position as anybody to make another deep run in the West. Yeah, I can't wait to see how it unfolds with them because, you know, Chris Paul, they're after the Houston thing ended, I think some people felt like, ah, have He's we seen done. Chris Paul's better yeah. days? He goes to OKC, turns him into a playoff team. He goes to Phoenix. He elevated them. Yeah. Now he's older. He's had some injuries, but he's one of the best point guards we've seen, especially in this generation. He's just a smart player. And to have a guy who could take some pressure off staff, who has exceptional vision, who could get it going in the mid-range, and like, maybe you could it'll, see it. It could take pressure off him, too, like like with the amount of minutes that he actually needs yeah. in the season. So maybe he's available in the postseason. And I also think there's something to the vibe element where like the Jordan Poole-Draymond thing was clearly an issue last Ugh. year. Wiggins you know, missed a huge stretch at the end of the season. So you think, okay, those weird vibes are gone. Wiggins is back. They've had some time. It, it could look pretty good for them, I think. Um in the East, I, I think everyone's like, hey, Celtics, Bucks, because of the trades that happened with Dame and, of course, Drew Holiday. Do you think there's a team that we're kind of overlooking at all in the East, or is it clearly like, hey, those are the teams, like, don't even worry about Philly, Cleveland, New York? I, I, I don't think there's a third team, yeah. um, with, with all you. due respect to the Heat, who obviously made the NBA Finals, um, and with all due respect to the Sixers, who are just, you know, <laughs> such a soap opera. I mean... If James Harden had never had his uh, little meltdown over the summer, I think we'd be saying, well, it's Bucks and Celtics, but watch out for the Sixers, right? You know, don't count out Harden and Embiid. Embiid just won MVP. Harden, you know, led the league in assists last year. Still a really efficient scorer. Um, Tyrese Maxey's going to make a leap. They've got some good, you know, uh, you know, supporting cast there. Like, they're good enough that if things break their way, maybe they could topple the Celtics or Bucks. But instead, instead... It's 
when are they trading Harden? Where are they trading Harden? What are they getting back for Harden? Um, and so, no, I can't take the Sixers seriously right now as long as this cloud is hanging over them. So, you know, the Cavs, if Evan Mobley makes a big leap and or Darius Garland, but especially Mobley, then you could put them, you could say maybe they're in the mix. Um, but I just, I, I'm not sure that they're there yet. Um, the Knicks, I feel like, have already kind of been bumping up against the the envelope in terms of what that team is capable of doing as is. And I think the Knicks themselves probably feel that, right? There's a reason they're sitting on all those great assets. They have all the draft picks that they've accumulated. They're waiting to make, you know, a, a multiplayer trade where they're packaging some of their young guys in those picks to, to get the next star. Um, and the Heat, you know, the Heat clearly placed everything in the Dame Lillard basket and then they lost. Like you, they, they could have gone all out to keep Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, who were starters in the finals. Yes. Like, how often do you willingly, I don't want to say entirely willingly, there's always cost issues and cap issues in this league, but you basically decided, you know what, it's okay. We're going to let those guys walk. Um, I know there's some Heat fans that get very cranky about this. Like, well, we've still got Jimmy Butler and, and Bam Adebayo. And yes, but in this league, it's never enough just to have your two stars. Like the role players do matter. Those guys were important to their run. Yeah. And it's not that easy to just plug in two other dudes and have them do the same thing. The Heat are really good at that. They, like they, the Heat tend to find guys. But as of right now, as we're recording this, they not, you know they obviously didn't get Dame. They don't appear to be in, in the chase to get James Harden. I, I don't know if there is some other mystery move yet to make. But, you know, they were already a team that, vastly outperformed i think expectations not just because they finished the regular season uh what was it, eighth in the standings and then they ended, up, they ended up seventh based on the play-in um that's a team that has some some ongoing age and injury issues that's why they finished so low in the first place i don't think you can do that again that's not that's not uh replicable re replicatable i never know which one <laughs> is. um they can't replicate it right. i don't think that's that is not a model for them or anybody else to try to follow and uh, they already were a team that just did not have enough offensive dynamism to keep up with with the other great teams. And that's why they needed a guy like Dame Lillard. And he would have been a phenomenal fit there, but it didn't happen. And so, you know, I admire the hell out of that franchise and out of and out of Jimmy Butler and, and Bam Adebayo and that whole group. They, they defend their butts off. They share the ball like they do everything that you're supposed to do to, to, uh, to be a great team. But at some point you need an offensive engine and Jimmy Butler's not wired to do that night in night out. Bam Adebayo is definitely not that guy. Um, a healthy Tyler hero will help, but they can't just hand the ball to a Giannis or a Dame or a Jason Tatum or a Devin Booker or a De'Aaron Fox. Uh, even um, like you, you need somebody who can just go get us a bucket. Um, or go get us 10 points in the next two minutes. Uh, I, I just don't think that the, 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 uh, the heat have that guy. And um, so, no, it, I, 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 it's Bucks and Celtics yeah. in the East. One other team that I know is not going to be in the mix with those two teams. I'm just intrigued with, what? and Ooh. you guys call me crazy on this. Mm -hmm. I, I am buying this player stock. It's very low. Oh, wait, wait, it, it's wait, very am, cheap am right I going to get, am I going to, are you a prisoner of the moment of what you're going it's off not, of last night? It's, it's not, not just him. last night, I promise you. Wait, I but am, it is him? I, I Ben Simmons? Yes! Yeah. Oh so my. Ben Simmons. I, I just 
Again, uh, it's preseason. You're hearing some of the talk, but it seemed like he cleared the air with Jacques Vaughn, Sean Marks. He's going to be playing point guard. And I was like, okay, I, I, let, let's see what it looks like yesterday. And preseason, I'm like, he's being more aggressive. Confident, like, attacking the rim. He's being more aggressive than yes. he was last year. He had zero confidence last year. Looked like mentally wasn't there. Physically, he was still banged up. I, I could see a little bounce back for Ben Is Simmons. he crazy, I, Howard? Is he crazy? <laughs> Um, look, for my sake, that's my backyard. Uh, you know, the Nets being good yeah. would be more entertaining and enjoyable for me because I, I go to a lot of their home games. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep being cautious when it comes to Ben Simmons. Okay. Um, after everything that we've seen over the last few years, the the league is pretty out on Ben Simmons. Like, the, like the Nets, if Ben Simmons had great if, if people around the league really believed in Ben Simmons still, or were still buying that stock, there are a lot of things the Nets could have potentially done in terms of a Ben Simmons trade, right? Yeah. You know, um, they'd be selling low. Some other team thinks, oh, no, you know, there's still an all-NBA player there. Um, and maybe that happens down the road, too, by the way. But, you know, this is a team that has, like, a lot of really good second- and third-tier guys, right? Like, Mikhail Bridges, you know, played as a number one for them, but he's really best as as your your second- or third guy, so they're looking for that guy. And Ben Simmons isn't going to be that guy anyway, right? Because sure. even when he was an All-NBA player, it was because of his uh, playmaking and defense and just overall skill set. It wasn't because he was your prototypical, go go get a, you know get us 30 points a night. Um, so they need that guy. And I think like there's a, there's a scenario here where Ben Simmons does rehab himself, his image to the point where people see the value again, want to trade for him. And the Nets could combine, again, they're another team that has a massive amount of picks, especially all those Suns picks. If Ben Simmons' stock is back up, Ben Simmons plus a bunch of picks might get you somebody really good. Um, so it'll be interesting. Like, yeah. yes, it was an encouraging start. He was definitely more aggressive, more assertive, more confident, all those things. He definitely looked like, you know, it, he was like the ghost of Ben Simmons oh, last season. That was People tough to watch. Saw it. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, you know, Simmons will 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 say, hey, you know, I, I had this back injury, and it, of course he had back surgery, so this is not something he was making up. He had uh, very real, very serious physical issues that were holding him back. But the the way that a lot of people around the league have seen him over the last couple of years or viewed him is, whatever the the physical issues may be at any given time, there's a there's a belief that he's just not. He's not all there. He's not all into it, right? That that there's something else missing, um, in terms of either the 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 passion for the game or the commitment. Something there's just something missing on the mental side. I don't mean mental health. Um, I yeah. know that has been something that has been uh, you know part of Ben Simmons' story too. But I don't mean that in this context. I mean that people look at the way he plays and they think this is not somebody who looks like. They really want to play basketball. The drive, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like his drive. Yeah. 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 There's some intangibles with him that I think are are still just kind of something that, that people around the league are monitoring. And look, everybody could be completely wrong on this. Maybe he's as as, as passionate as anyone, and it was all just about the physical uh uh, you know, uh, whatever, the the, ham the the back injury, all of that stuff. If he's through all that and plays at a really high level again, people the league will change its mind very quickly. Um, and the Nets will be a much different team yeah. if that's the case. You know, the, the dude was all NBA a few years ago. Like, and he can play, you know, he was in the conversation for defensive player of the year when he was with the Sixers. Um, 
those talents anybody could use, including the Nets. And yeah, like if he's back to that, the Nets become like that fun kind of sleeper team, right? Like they're not going to probably make a run to the to the Eastern Conference Finals, but they just have a lot of really good players. You know, uh, uh, Bridges, Cam Johnson, Nick Claxton, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, there's just a lot of really good, yeah. solid players there. Um, they don't have that one guy to, to to become the engine to make it all work. And if, if Ben Simmons can recapture the guy that he was earlier in his Philadelphia career, that, that makes a huge difference. Can't wait for the season to start. Howard, first of all, thank you so much for the time. So much. So happy for you being at The Ringer. Excited for the new podcast, uh, to those details the, to come uh, out yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah. But um, seriously, thank you so much for the time. Maybe you make the trek to Sacramento at some point this season and we can catch up. I am way, way, way overdue to uh, to get to Sacramento. So I'm very hope much uh, hoping that'll be the case. Um, I will uh, go talk my editors into it as soon as we hang up. Awesome. Appreciate you so much, Howard. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.